I'd like to welcome you to today's December Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you now have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Invisalign Clinical Tracking Tips, Stay on Track and Finish Treatment as You Prescribed with Dr. Pai Matai. You will, receive, you will earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Pai Matai. Dr. Matai is an award-winning graduate of Tufts Dental School. He has helped treat over 1,000 clear aligner cases using Invisalign and the ClinCheck treatment software. He's been recognized as an Invisalign expert and as a member of the Align Technology faculty. As a key opinion leader in the dental industry, Dr. Matai has spearheaded beta testing, clinical research projects, and holds multiple patents. As a published author, he holds both national and international peer-reviewed awards and dental journal publications with media features. For the past decade, Dr. Atai has presented lectures around the country on his research and accumulated findings with thousands of his peers. He also serves on multiple company boards and is a recognized key opinion leader, training doctors and team members nationally and internationally while helping dental offices reap the rewards of modern technology for their patients. Dr. Atai is a strong believer in, in using Invisalign in all aspects of dentistry. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Tai. Dr. Tai, you now before. Well, good morning, doctors. I can't thank you enough on this great holiday season to join me on the one-hour Ask the Expert call and us discussing what always happens to us. As soon as we get started, we get excited, and as soon as we get through the treatment planning, we even are more excited, and here we are with aligners in mouth ready to go ready for patients to start moving teeth, and sure enough, once in a while, we get one patient whose aligner doesn't track, and that ruins our entire day. The reality is it shouldn't ruin it, but rather be a learning moment for us as clinicians who are in the Invisalign treatment planning. And the reality is, as I've been treated, as you see, uh, close to 1,000 cases now, there are going to come across some teeth that don't track well, for instance, rotated canines, laterals that don't track well, even lower anterior crowding that may want to procline forward, but the tray doesn't quite fit right. And if the tray doesn't quite fit right, what happens to teeth? They don't move. So today we'd like to discuss a little bit more in detail of how to stay on track and finish the treatment as you wanted it on the ClinCheck as you prescribed it. And how do we get these teeth to track exactly as you are seeing on the ClinCheck software, the 3D image that's given to us through Invisalign, a program which I rely on heavily. So I'd like to discuss the uh, views and opinions are all mine. Uh, these are of my opinion only, and my technology uh, doesn't necessarily endorse or uh, view these opinions uh, other than uh, for my own uh, purposes of explaining to my team of doctors, which you are now a part of. So let's begin a little bit deeper conversation of the common tracking issues. 
Now, I've been able to boil down this common tracking issues, and you know, we, we have attachment placements. Where do the attachments uh, go in? And we've talked about maybe interapproximation. Did we IPR enough? Or maybe we need to IPR more. Or some doctors say, I don't want to do any IPR. I just want to expand. And by expanding the arch, all of these are fine given that the aligner stays on teeth and grips teeth to move them. But I've been able to boil down to three common issues that I see again and again pop up in not only my practice, but as I travel across the US and now North America and parts international, other Invisalign doctors who've been telling me the same that's happened. And the first is basically aligner spacing. The fact that the teeth are not really engaged with the aligner. And this typically happens when? If you start to look at some of the time periods of your treatment, when does it happen? Does it happen at aligner three, at aligner five, at aligner seven, at aligner 10? Does it happen towards the end or at the beginning or mid-treatment? And if you start to think closely, we're gonna discuss this a little heavier as to when it starts to happen. So we know at what aligner we can start paying attention to interapproximation, expansion, that lateral not tracking as well, and creating one bad seed, which is one tooth, and two or three teeth stop tracking because of one tooth that stops. And when does that happen? We're gonna discuss that a little bit deeper as we go along through our lecture today. Posterior open bites. We cannot deny that we sometimes experience some light bite or open bite on the posterior teeth. I've heard this again and again, and why does this happen? Is it something that Invisalign is doing? Nope, not at all. Is it something that the clear liners are doing? Possibly. Is it collision from anterior teeth and that expansion and proclination hitting and discluding the posterior? We're gonna go heavy as to when do we start tracking and watching out for this disclusion to happen at around what aligner number? Because remember, you need three things to move teeth, time, space, and pressure. And that pressure, where do we apply it is important. And at what point and at what time of the aligner tracking do we apply those pressures? We're gonna discuss that. And of course, the unwanted intrusion. Yes, it doesn't mean that you've been trying to extrude. It means potentially the two teeth that are adjacent to the one tooth that you're trying to move actually got intruded. Attachments. Patients say they don't want these bubbles on their teeth. And the doctor listens to the patient says, no problem, we won't have it. And guess what happens? The tooth actually intruded rather than tracking. So these three common factors are most important as you start to go through aligner treatment. And I'm gonna discuss that between aligners one to 20 is our, our average uh, amount of aligner treatment. And what happens between one and 20? What happens at which aligner do we stop tracking? So first, we've got to understand the fit of aligner and attachments are key. You must have a proper attachment and aligner fit. You can't just remove attachments. Align spent a lot of money and time and research on optimized attachments. As soon as we remove these teardrop-looking attachments or some of these other attachments, what ends up happening is that the aligner then stops to fit. And the tooth doesn't rotate. The tooth doesn't have that force built in on the surface area that the attachment, optimized attachment, was built for. So therefore, what happens? Well, the tooth stops tracking. 
ClinCheck and tooth position is also a key factor. We're going to get a little bit deeper about ClinCheck and at what point do we see the aligner, as I mentioned earlier, stop tracking. And we can actually see that in your ClinCheck prescription. And most importantly, interproximal contact. This idea of having IPR, whether you prescribe it or you don't, how much do you prescribe, time, space, and pressure is important. So we're going to have a discussion a little bit about where and how and which teeth are ideal for any kind of interapproximation and the maximum amount of interapproximation. In my cases, which I'm going to go through uh, four particular cases, I really don't like to do much IPR on the anterior teeth. And I try to cut off the IPR no more than potentially 0.2 or 0.3. In Sam's case, as you can see, he's got upper and lower crowding, a little bit narrowing of the arch on the posterior. You can see he's missing his posterior molars, number 31. Number two has got a little bit of super eruption. He has a cross spike that you can see on the cuspid. And most importantly, he is missing tooth number 13, which is a premolar. So what happened? His arch collapsed. So his classification, molar classification, he's a class one. But because of the premolar and bicuspid missing two teeth ended up getting what? A little bit of an anterior crossbite, edge-to-edge bite, chipped teeth, and yes, he likes sunflower seeds. Sam is a, is a cab driver. Uh, he doesn't like Uber much, but let me tell you, he loves that sunflower seed. So he chews on that thing when he sees an Uber go by, and sure enough, he's got some chipping. And the reason why he had come in was not because of his crossbite, not because of the plaque buildup, not because of the gingival pigmentation that you see, but the fact that he cannot grip sunflower seeds like he used to because they just break and shatter. He wants to have his straight teeth back. So he wanted me to do some sort of bonding or some sort of crown on his front teeth. I said, well, here's what we've got to do. First, we've got to understand that your teeth are not in the right position. I'm going to put these what's called extrusion attachments, and these are going to pull down your teeth and put them in line. And once I get that proper gingival height of contour, canine to canine, I then can put maybe some sort of restoration and bonding. At the same time, I'd like to try to create a better bite, putting your anterior teeth in the ideal 1 to 1.5 millimeter overjet overbite. Patient had no idea what I'm talking about, but doctors, you do. So it's important for us to understand that our agenda is to create proper movement by placing the proper attachment. Look at the lateral tooth number 10. Look how small that is. I can get an unwanted intrusion as I try to jump the arch and come across the cuspid on the lower opposing, and guess what could happen? That lateral could get intruded. So I chose to continue and follow the treatment prescription of the ClinCheck of having those extrusive attachments placed. Now, looking at the ClinCheck, you can clearly see there's some extrusions coming down, uh, the canine's tucking in, and none of this really required much or any IPR. What it required is some expansion and, if you will, some proclination of the anterior teeth to get this ideal overjet overbite. In looking at him as we're going through the treatment, my agenda was to do what? Get that lateral jump over the canine knowing that there potentially could be that expansion of the posterior teeth that may not happen, or the jump over the canine from the lateral. The reality is 
anterior cross-backs are very simple with aligners. Doctors who are newer into the Invisalign world, I will tell you anterior cross-backs, as you can see right here, which is about three to four millimeters of a cross-back, meaning you're going to get a proclination of tooth number 10 of two millimeters, a lingualization of tooth number 22 of maybe two millimeters, the lower proclination of the lateral and incisors on the lower arch will procline forward. This is a very, very simple anterior case. However, I'm not just treating the anterior, am I? I'm not just trying to jump that crossbite, nor try to get that anterior uppers to procline forward, giving what's called a power ridge, but I'm going to try to correct that anterior bite. So most importantly, my custard rise has to be taken into consideration. Having told you all of that, the aligner tracking of the tray is important. Why? Because take a look at the ClinCheck of what happens at around aligner 10. And we're going to kind of give you the, I, I like to show you the crossbite from a side view. And I'm going to show you what it looks like in terms of the anterior movement of the proclination. So we've got proclination teeth coming forward. The lateral is moving. Look at tooth number anterior and the tooth number 10 and, the, and, and as it proclines forward, what happens? It could rub against each other. So let's go back and watch that again. Let's watch this anterior movement right here. Okay? What, what, what's happening here? This number 10 is what? Rubbing on number 22. And the anterior then could, is, is hitting hard. There's two pieces of plastic here. So I know that at one point, potentially, I may have teeth that are intercuspating heavily. And therefore, I'm not going to say, clean check, add more IPR on the lower arch to lingualize the lower arch back. I'm going to watch that chair side because I'm missing number 13. I have room to lingualize lower arch back. But why? It's more difficult. It'll be very difficult for me to lingualize and, and recline teeth back than to procline them forward. All I've got to pay attention to is that anterior coupling with the two pieces of plastic in between. So the first 10 aligners in any type of your Invisalign treatment are what I like to describe as, as force and power movement. These are expansions, proclinations, rotations. So the first 10 aligners, getting the patients to the first 10 aligners is ideal. Now looking at the final position, my midline is off. Heavy or tight anterior coupling. Not much room to put that restorative on that number nine. I don't mind. I accepted this ClinCheck, and the reason I did that is because if I get him past the first 10 aligners, I've got that cross-fight resolved. I can go back and add additional aligners to now move forward from 10 and beyond because my ideal bite needs to have a little bit of space interproximally, I'm sorry, uh, intercoupling of anterior and lower arch because there's two pieces of plastic in between. So when you start to look at the cuspid, when you start to look at the anterior coupling, this is too tight. I still accepted it because by adding 0.2 or 0.3 lower IPR, I could do that at any other time. I'm just going to make sure that the tray tracks and there's no interproximal collisions happening. And sure enough, by aligner 15, luckily enough in his case, I got him through past 10, very minimal to no IPR, just making sure that there's a little bit of light contact interproximally, and now you can see that the aligner stops tracking as well. You can see that there's a little space between the lateral and the aligner. You can see on both sides, the posters are fitting fine, but we've got a little bit of spacing. That's okay. Now I can go back and look. Here's where our aligner 15, 
he's pretty much close. And at around 15 and 16 is when I stopped tracking, right? That's okay. I can now remove the attachments and go to my additional aligners. Now, in most of the cases, when I see this in my office, I may just continue to track and maybe just add by hand on my own a little bit of interapproximation, even though it wasn't prescribed at the very beginning. One to two millimeters of spacing, that's okay. I may just dust in between the interproximal and the lower arch and just and maybe up a little bit on the upper arch. And those of you who know the 0.01 little strippers or you know you have the little contact uh, removal interproximally, very light by hand, it's okay. But when you have patients who've got three to four millimeters, now in this instance, you have to do a couple of other options. You can either take all the attachments off or you may have to go to other forms of treating chair side, which I'll show you in a minute. I just want to show you when the patient bites down, if the aligner wobbles, then for sure you're going to have to start and getting the attachments removed and get, go for additional aligners. But if the patient bites down and the aligner does not wobble, you still have the anterior that you can see between three to four millimeters, then you can go ahead and treat tear side, and I'll show you how we do that. But if you have one to two millimeters, again, you can still treat chair side. I don't want to have that downtime. So I'll give you a couple of options in chair side treatment outside of having to take attachments off and having that downtime. Option one is go ahead and remove all attachments, take new photos, and sure enough, put on the new attachments, wait two to four weeks later of your downtime, and put on the new aligner and move forward. The other option in mid-treatment, if the aligner is not seating, is you can just lighten the interproximal contacts. Those of you who know this well, there's a 0 0.01, 0 0.2, there's multiple uh, interproximations, just a little bit on the upper or lower. You can use a chewy, that's that little green uh, uh, chewy, that, or, or hand the patient a whole bunch of cotton rolls and have them chew on cotton rolls, or even chew gum. It doesn't matter. It doesn't stick to the aligner if you use that trident. Four out of five dentists recommend it. But you can have, them, uh, have a little chewy. And the other one is there's multiple aligner seeders in the market now that kind of vibrates aligners into place, and there's no downtime. They simply do this four to five minutes a day. Some uh, offices, I've heard, say half an hour a day. The reality is four or five minutes of chewing, or the more you chew, it works better. A little bit of lightening of the contact and using that, uh, some sort of a, 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 what's out in the market now with these aligner seeders, you can actually get the aligner to fit a lot better, okay? So looking at this uh, patient, you can kind of see as we go into our progress, uh, after aligner 15, I can actually go forward and put on some bondings. I added a little bit of IPR right there on the canines where you see the blue uh, on, on 22 and 27 because as we proclined, the rotation fully didn't happen. So if you start to look at this patient, we started to have that proclination we got some spacing on number 13. I can now have a restorative conversation, maybe a three unit of some sort of a Maryland bridge or, or maybe some other restoration back there. But clearly you can see that we kept them on track, didn't have to worry about much about collisions or open bites because we controlled the interapproximation chair side and controlled the aligner seating, whether it was a chewy or some sort of a uh, aftermarket product of the vibration. Uh, yeah, you see. Now, I've come up with the progress checklist, which you can download on my site on atai.com. And this is a simple chair side uh, checklist for your hygienist, your assistants, even yourself, 
that some of you have digitized computing, that's fine. You can maybe scan this and put it in or take the verbiage uh, and use it as your own. But you can ask what aligner number each visit. I see patients once every four weeks because now Align's protocols have changed the aligner every week. So we see patients once a month, some instances once every six weeks, but at this point I'm at one every four weeks, making sure that the tracking is good, excellent, if there's a problem or not. And sure enough, if we IPR'd, where did we interproximate? And align with their new Clint uh, Check Pro 5, they have actually where they show how much IPR has been done on the patient. But chair side, I can now actually do some additional. If there's no IPR recommended, as you saw in Sam's case, there was no IPR recommended. But I did do a little bit of that yellow stripper. That's about the 0.01 lightening of the contact. So I like to track it have a conversation with the patient. How long are they wearing it? Are they wearing it all the time? Half the time, it kind of puts us in check with the patient, and we give them four more aligners. And sure enough, they go on their way. What's going to happen next? We're going to progress. Maybe some more IPR. Maybe no, we don't need to do. Maybe you have to take off attachments, um, uh, 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 or what, what we actually did this visit, what we performed this visit. In this case, we did a little bit of IPR, and we did a progress checklist. What happens next visit, InDesign progress, maybe mid-treatment correction, uh, maybe InDesign exit, they're all done. And the patient's name and the assistant or hygienist that helps you, and any additional comments. We kind of put this every four weeks in our chart so we have a good tracking. Um, you know, when you start to do 100 cases a year or so or 150 cases a year or so, you're going to start losing track of patients. And even though it all pretty much is common, I like to have some sort of a communication tool between myself, front office, as well as the back office and patients so that we know what happens every visit. I always like to use the IPRTX system, so it gives me the, the sequential. Some of you know that the discus, the dense fly, the, the, the uh, contact, these multiple uh, uh, programs out there for interproximation, but I just like the yellow, uh, red, blue, and green. Uh, when I get to the green, that's 0.2. That's how much contact is open. Yellow single side gives me 0.6. And that's enough to enlighten the contact for the teeth to slide past each other, the red being the 0.12 and the blue color being the 0.15. So typically what happens is sequentially from yellow to green, we can have a 0.2 contact that's open if prescribed by the ClinCheck. Otherwise, I'm usually using the yellow, the 0.06, or sometimes maximum up to red to get those teeth so they can actually move past each other. Now, let's get to the most Important part, point number two, avoiding posterior open bites or even treating patients with posterior open bites. So I'll give you two cases of patients that have treatment and one case is a case that I actually created a posterior open bite and had to fix it. So we're going to go through in first the treatment, Ralph's case. Ralph's case was a case that was sent to me by another uh, doctor and he had sent to me the case where um, he tried, a patient had a deep bite and the only solution was to reduce the deep bite. So the doctor started Ralph's case where he said, look, I'm going to go ahead and correct this deep bite, and let me show you the earlier ClinCheck. This was before it got to my hands, and the doctor wanted to expand the arch, and he put programmed expansion, programmed very minimal IPR, and as you can see with the superimpose, you've got expansions on the posterior greater then almost four, and in some instance, six millimeters of expansion on each side of the arch. 
We know aligners only make it us two millimeters on each side, but in this case, let's overexpand and see what happens. And his thought process was correct in getting as much expansion, and in the upper arch you can see, if you count the grid, you can kind of see there's one, two, three, four, five, six almost millimeters of expansion on each side. For a piece of plastic to push that far out, a little difficult, we can get expansion, mostly called uprighting, but as his idea of expanding, as teeth then can now be what? Intruded, because now the arch becomes rounded out. Very good, 29 aligners, ideal case for this patient. And the doctor accepted the treatment plan. Once he accepted the treatment plan, the patient started the treatment, and by the 15th aligner, he's noticing that deep bites not really doing well, and goes into a, not, I'm sorry, five month progress, I apologize. By the five months into it, and remember, at that time, they're changing the aligners every two weeks. He noticed that all he's really gotten is that he's got partial improvement of the deep bite, got some expansion on the upper arch. It's mostly uprighting, but now his lowers didn't quite expand, and he's got lingual cusp hitting not the central fossa, but the buccal cusp of the opposing. And he says, you know what? I, I, I got the lowers rounded out. I got the, the crowding on the lower resolved but I need to do some more expansion. So out goes more expansion on the lower arch. And the upper arch, instead of you know, expanding it, because on the lower we want to try to fit into that sense cusp of fossa that we've learned in, in school, I'm just going to round out the arch. So I'm just going to rotate those molars, not do much, and just simply keep the bite where it belongs. And as he comes along and notices that he's not getting much of a rotation on the molar, even putting attachments on those second molars and first molars, and even trying to get the premolar tucked in. He's not getting an ideal movement on 15. Got a little bit frustrated, and what happened was the patient ended up with a little bit of a light bite on the posterior. So now the patient has a posterior light to open bite of about a half to a millimeter. The anterior teeth are definitely have not been resolved on the deep bite as the ClinCheck software said it would, and there was a tracking issue. Now, this, this doctor and patient are both frustrated. And, uh, you know, as, as an Alliance speaker and faculty, my name's out there, and this patient happened to be close to me, and the doctor is close to me. And they said, Dr. Tai, what can you do to resolve this problem? We don't want to do a full mouth reconstruction on him. That's what we were left with. When I got the patient, I noticed that now Ralph had the lower arch rounded out. As you can see, the posterior's got some uprighting but not really ideal. And the upper arch, as you can see, still has that narrows to it and the deep bite. And the posterior on number three and 30, light, contact, and the posteriors where he actually got a open interproximal contact between 18 and 19, food traps getting their patients frustrated, as well as an open bite. So my agenda was let's go ahead and ask for the ClinCheck software to cut the trays, and let's see if we can get super eruption happening. Let's first get this posterior teeth. I and mean, literally, I ordered the trays to only cover premolar forward and let the posteriors land where they want to land, putting on some, uh, some attachments on the premolars and resolving the deep bites, maybe adding a little bit of 0.2 IPR and proclining out. Let's put some power ridges and kind of proclined the teeth out, letting the posteriors to land on their back 
portion without any coverage. Because the problem that we saw was that he didn't have an open bite, he had a deep bite, and most importantly, the anterior teeth were very heavy. So I didn't want to IPR the heck out of those teeth, but I'm just going to add a proclination by adding the power ridge that you can see in that little blue uh, horizontal lines. And that's going to give me a little bit of a tipping out of these incisors, of the uppers, and now the posteriors are going to land. And getting him through the first 10 aligner is key. Getting him through the first 10, because later on I'm going to add what's called a lingual bite tab to get those anterior teeth to intrude and correct the deep bite. But I have to do one step at a time. If I would have added the lingual bite tabs now, what could happen is that the anteriors intrude, and we're going to now have the canines rubbing, and I'd have to shave the incisal parts of the canine to get the posteriors to, to land. So, sure enough, the trays are ordered. They're half covered. As you can see here, the posteriors seem to be discluded. Yes, they are, because they were ordered cut. So with the two pieces of plastic, what happens? It allows for a little bit of super eruption and allows for the molars and, and, and posteriors to go where they want to go. I can always grab and move them back, but right now, let them just super erupt as best as possible. This goes through for the first 10 aligners, and we started to get what? We started to get a little posterior bite. We started to get the landing of the second molars. That space that you recall between 18 and 19 is now getting closed because teeth are going back to where they want to be on the posterior. Now I can move forward with adding the lingual bite tap to correct the deep bite. So now we go through and order the lingual bite tab. And I'm going to now create premolar forward. So first I was covering the second, uh, the first and second bicuspid. At this point, now I'm ordering where it's only the canine and one premolar back. And on the lower arch, only the canine, as you can see. With the lingual bite tab placed lateral to lateral to intrude and correct the deep bite. So this progression allows me to have minimal interapproximation, minimal work done, and sure enough, uh, the, the, the first five aligners you can see in the blue are doing a lot of heavy work of, of, of getting the teeth intruded, and the lower arch is doing what? It's consistently continuing of intruding. So that's 12 aligners, five of which are active on the first uh, anteriors. And again, the ClinCheck software, I simply ask them, do not procline. Uh, you know, add the lingual bite tab G5 feature. Those of you doctors, I'm sure you, there's a lot of webinar and a lot of information about G5 that you can see. It allows you to get the deep bite results. And we were able to get his case where now we're intruding the lateral to lateral, and then later I can work on the canines and posteriors as they land. So that's kind of my way of wiggling out of and you can see with the articulating paper, as we go through, uh, uh, this was where the full uh, posterior bite was achieved finally. And you can see the articulating paper where you can see the markings that are heavy now. He actually has a very heavy bite. And the G5 feature that I accepted in trying to move forward with the anterior intrusion, if you will, of correcting the deep bite using the G5. So we have to break down the aligner movements. We have to understand that we have to piece together the entire program, not just up front in the ClinCheck and try to get everything done, but I'm going to treat posterior first, then anterior, or I'm going to treat anterior first, then posterior. What am I trying to do? Resolve the lower crowding first, or am I trying to correct the deep bite first? 
These are the questions that the ClinCheck software, it plays as a cartoon where the whole thing happens at the same time. But chair size, when it comes to chair size, now you have what? You have to have to make some decisions very quickly. You've got to see, okay, am I going to interproximate because teeth are heavy? I'm going to gloss in between the teeth. And yes, they're heavy. I have to lighten the contact. But it said no ICR. So when I got Amy's case, Amy's scenario was that she actually had braces twice. She had bicuspid extraction, and this was her finish. And the beautiful story about this is that I work very closely with our doctors locally, and he sent me this case because the orthodontist, he was embarrassed to send him this patient back to the ortho. And the ortho wanted to remove the wisdom teeth. And as you can see, tooth number one and 16 is hiding all the way back there, and he wanted to get the wisdom teeth removed. And problem with this GP was I, I don't know how to explain to him that even if we remove the wisdom teeth, uh, this is not an ideal bite. What am I going to do with this? And sure enough, I had a conversation with the orthodontist. Uh, the patient did not want to do more wire and brackets. She was done and fed up. And this is basically somewhat of a relapse happening as well. So the orthodontist said, no problem. If you want to continue doing Invisalign, um, do whatever you want to do. We have you know, we, we allowed the patient to make that decision, and the patient wanted to have the Invisalign treatment. So moving forward, my agenda was, I know I have a molar class one. I've got somewhat of a bite. Not too happy with the canine. I don't have a canine cuspid rise. I have a little bit of spacing. Can I get that a little better? Maybe IPR between tooth number 22 and 21, and maybe tuck that canine in? Okay, but what happens to the anterior? The anterior has a little bit of an overjet. If you look on the uh, photo on the right side, you can see a little bit of overjet. Do I bring the lowers forward or do I bring the uppers back? Ideally, bringing the uppers back would make more sense, which would require a little bit of interproximation. But can, if I expand, if I expand, can I create a better arch? Well, my worry is, is, yes, I can maybe expand the first molar, but can I avoid expanding the second molar because the tray's force is going to be built where premolar to canines get expanded, or molar to premolar gets expanded. They don't have where you can say, I want only tooth number two expanded, but not number three, or only number three expanded, not number two. So I had to make a decision in how to approach this case, posterior light bite, as you can clearly see on those second molars. And my approach was, let's go ahead and get some extrusion. Let me pull down the anteriors. Let me allow the lower anteriors to kind of shift back, lingualize. And if you can see from a side view and an overjet view, I'm going to allow the wisdom teeth to stay in. We have an itero scanner, so we were able to scan the whole arch nicely. And my agenda would be, how do I work on those second molars? The first molars are good, but how do I get this ideal overjet, just like we set those denture teeth, and chair side, how I'm going to evaluate that this is tracking, right? So if you look at the ClinCheck, not much was done other than I want to tuck the premolar in, expand the posteriors very little, not too much, by about a half millimeter, and rotate by just simply rotating and tucking teeth in. So I'm going to upright the first molars and, and not really move the wisdom teeth, using those as my uh, reference or a guide point for the patient's bite where it needs to be. And when you start to look at this patient, you start to see that, okay, we're really tucking in and rounding out the entire arch to get that ideal. It's half millimeter movement. Not like Ralph's case where you saw six 
to seven millimeters of expansion of movement. This is within a few millimeters and mostly rotation. So guess what? I have to do a little bit of light contact chair side between those first and second molars because they're going right past each other. So in showing you this, the clincher kind of makes a little bit more sense in the final view. So what happened chair side is exactly what I thought would happen as we round out the arch, in, extrude the uppers, intrude the lower, getting a little bit better bite. I did not want to continue with a plastic tray uh, as far as retention goes. I tried to get my, I got my canine uh, guidance and cuspid rise that I needed to have between tooth number 11 and the opposing 22. And because the shape and anatomy of number six, I left that where it is and gave her an upper and lingual, upper and lower. And if you can see where the uh, wire is very subgingival, I want her to wear this for at least six months to a year to kind of stabilize so that the posteriors consistently land. Now, there are multiple retainer options. We have a program uh, that's dedicated to retention. But if you look at the molar, the canine relationship to the anterior, we've got that ideal coupling. And for me to put more plastic in there as a retention source, I was afraid I was going to get an unwanted intrusion. So for the first six months to a year until the bone builds around the patient's arch and becomes very dense, I want to make sure that I have this patient um, predominantly in that upper and lower lingual wire. So to correct some of these posterior open bites, um, anteriorly, you've got to remove those interproximal um, interferences. And these interferences could be maybe an attachment's hitting it. Maybe the patient's canine and canine anterior are hitting. Uh, so you can trim the tray if you like. You're still at the premolars or even cuspid. Allow the posteriors to land, and you can continue as the posteriors start to land. Add additional aligners to finish in that one millimeter ideal overjet overbite without the coverage till you get your posterior bite to land. At that point, you can grab and move teeth and get your cuspids and molars all in the right place. So it's done in phases in my office, chair side, until I finish. It's not that the entire uh, ClinCheck is going to give me the solution because Sometimes we have to, and you see in my case, with Arash's case, I actually created the posterior open bite. And in this case, it's a class three, as the teeth are proclining forward. And you kind of see in this case, I didn't do much uh, of, of, of IPR. I was worried of the ClinCheck software coming back with a 0.3 on the lower arch. And I said, I'm not doing that. And what ended up happening is the patient's rounded arch, as you start to get, and you remember this, as a reminder in your, in your courses that like, like arches, well, he has a class three arch. So if you look at this case, teeth, lower teeth are going to procline forward, and the upper teeth, that upper left of your upper left screen and the upper arch, they're going to come back. I'm going to create an edge-to-edge -edge bite, which could be mean what? Potentially posterior open bite. Well, that's why the ClinCheck software came back with a 0.3 IPR. And I really didn't want to do the 0.3. And my agenda was just to procline forward and bring those laterals down. So in my initial ClinCheck setup, it looked beautiful because the teeth are proclining forward. The upper is moving where it's supposed to, putting on some power ridges. And I took the IPR off. And the ClinCheck said, no problem, you'll finish here. Now look how tight that is. Remember, there's two pieces of plastic. That point three, I did not want to do. I said, I'm not doing that. So as you can see, 
there was not much posterior movement. Most of my work was on the anterior. The ClinCheck software advised me of the point three. And what did I do? I didn't do the point three. He proclined forward and created that anterior interference. And that anterior interference created a posterior open bite. So now I've got to move forward, do a little bit of interproximation, cut the tray, and hopefully the teeth will land. So how do we get ourselves out of this now? Well, simply said, we have to allow the posterior molars to erupt, passive eruption. You can order it cut, or you can cut the aligner yourself. A little bit too much work since we're having the patients change the aligners once every week. So I actually order the aligners cut through uh, the ClinCheck software, and I allow the molars to land and the bicuspids, and then I only end up having canine to canine coverage. So by ordering additional aligners, I actually allow the posteriors, as you can see in, your, in this photo, he doesn't have any coverage on the molars. The first two molars are not covered. Premolars are. So on the upper molar, number 2, 3, and uh, 14, 15, as well as the lowers, 18, 19, and 30, and 31, have no coverage. But premolar, premolar has coverage. Once the posteriors land, as we add some IPR on the lower arch, I had to add the IPR because it's a class 3. So I had to bring the lower arch to get that better anterior coupling to remove the actual bite interference incisely. So once the posteriors are gained, now I cut the premolars. And once I cut the premolars, then I cut the canine, and the patient ends up only wearing canine to canine, so I can get the posterior premolars all the way to canines to have bite again. And this basically takes about five to six months to gain this process back. Um, so patient then, in this particular case, I threw him on an upper and lower lingual wire because I, I didn't want to go back and putting on some sort of plastic to intrude those teeth again or get an unwanted intrusion. So going from where we were to where a very simple case of just adding some interproximation, I didn't, and the teeth proclined forward, an anterior collision happened, the posterior lifted. It took me about four or five months to get that process uh, complete, uh, open by and another five to six months to resolve it by the super eruption or, or, or um, extrusion, if you will, of those premolars. Now, I didn't put any rubber bands. I just allowed the teeth to kind of, kind of land on their own, and uh, I removed the aligner by cutting the aligner, which could potentially cause an unwanted intrusion in this case. So looking at this case, uh, uh, back in the earlier days, um, could I have done things different? Yeah, I could have monitored the chair side a little better. I could have seen as the teeth of uh, uh, progressing and chair side evaluation is important. So some tips that I'm going to give you is in your ClinCheck software, we have that staging button. The staging button, as you hit that thing, it shows you the active movements. And the first 10 trays are typically what? Your most important, as, as I call it again, the power movement. Uh, it's not an align word, it's an atai word. So those power movements do what? Uprighting, force of, 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 of points of root, uh, um, uh, power ridges, it's rotations. All of those, you have to make sure you have proper tracking the first 10 aligners. If you can get the patient through the first 10 aligners, even if there's 25 aligners prescribed, then from there you can evaluate. Now, what does that take? that sometimes takes for you to add a little IPR. That means even though if it wasn't prescribed, as you can see, none were, were, were prescribed, you would have to make sure they have light contacts. Don't look at where or how. Look at the interproximal 
in between your teeth heavy contacts. Now, I'll give you a little tip. In my practice, I use a floss, but I color the floss with articulating paper. We simply cut a long piece of floss. My girls have take a blue articulate paper and, or a red one and just kind of rub it. The floss becomes colored now. And from premolar to premolar, they have already gone in between and it marks. The actual markings will show in between the teeth. It's the oldest trick in the book that I've been using for the past 10 years. And I just go and lighten, just spot lighten contact those areas that are marked. Why do I do this? Because I can get that unwanted collision, the aligner not the track, as well as the, the movements and rotations from the in-between teeth as the PDL is just shifting when you put the tray on, but then it shifts back when you take the tray off. And you hear your patient saying that. You hear them saying, when I take the tray off, I feel like my teeth move. As soon as I put my tray on, it moves back in. Well, why is that? They have some sort of a push in between where it's not allowing the, maybe the lateral or the canine or the incisor to tuck back where it belongs, like the ClinCheck says it should. The first 10 trays are important. After the first 10 trays, in whatever amount of case, whether you have 20, 25, or 30 aligners, at that point you can make a decision. Because I just simply just take a little yellow stripper, 0.06, and simply go back and forth and help that, maybe one or two swipes, help that remove the heavy contacts into approximately where it's been marked. Again, three things are important, time, space, and pressure. And I put it in, in, in reality of we need, we need enough time to move the teeth, we have to create the pressure. Without the space, the teeth won't fit into that uh, allocated location for them. So patients know that. I mention that uh, in my lectures, and I always tell patients that your teeth are fat for too long, and we're putting it on a diet. So it's my Invisalign diet plan for your teeth, and we're going to get them in shape and put them in the right place. So when you look at any kind of a 20-aligner timeline, from the time that you're delivering, uh, some of you doctors like to maybe delay the attachment placement. Um, I'm one for that. I always like to put the attachments on right away, um, and I like to start the interproximation. Now, it might take me one to ten aligners to get that interproximation done if it's been prescribed, but Every four weeks, we're seeing our patients, and we're monitoring in that four-week timeline the interproximation by hand, by floss. Even though there was non-prescribed, remember, the ClinCheck software starts the IPR at point two. So what happens to point one? As you heard me say this before, the point one is assumed that the teeth are going interproximally past each other. So you would have to create that yellow stripper in between, even though there is no IPR prescribed in your software. So for me, I want to monitor this patient every four weeks. And by the 10th week, we have a decision to make. All right, so are we going to stay on track? Is the aligner not fitting? Are we going to give him a chewy? Are we maybe doing a little aligner cedar, uh, you know, technique? Um, maybe with the vibration, maybe with some other treatment cause? Or are we going to take attachments off and just reboot the case and ask for additional aligners? I typically like taking those attachments off, even though we have a scanner, and for us it's a couple hour downtime, because once you scan, uh, those of you who have the iTero, you have the knowledge that it comes to you, the ClinCheck, much faster than the PDS impression being shipped. Ten days later, you're getting a ClinCheck. But in my world, I like taking those attachments off. And I go forward with that decision. If I don't have to order additional liners, great. I'm going to continue and move forward with my treatment plan and go into my stabilization, they stay on that aligner for a while, I typically four weeks to six weeks, 
before I put on a retainer. I want to see how the teeth land. I, am I going to get an unwanted intrusion? Am I going to get teeth that are kind of relapsing and pushing forward? Do I have enough contact? Is it light? Is it heavy? Um, and that's pretty much my, my stabilization mode before I go into retention. And retainers are a must for at least six months to a year full-time wear. So in my practice, I preach six months to a year full-time wear with the retainers we give them, even if they're fixed retainers. Um, you know, I know some of you doctors say, well, the posters can relapse back. That's why I put that fixed on for a few months, typically five or six months. Um, some patients only a few months. Uh, so then I then go back and put on some sort of a, either a severe right over it, or if I know now the bone is dense enough and, and the teeth are not going to get intruded again, I can do some sort of CR splint. And we have a whole course built on retention, and I'm sure doctors in, in your one hour listening, you can actually uh, Google and see the different types of retention, or in your EATE with the line, uh, seeing the different retention options that are available uh, along with the Vivera. So that kind of gives you a full spectrum of start to finish. Um, I have the entire uh, documentations of our program in loaded on atai.com. That's my last name, A-T-A-I-I.com. Uh, we do have a, a more of a deeper focus for you doctors who want to spend a day uh, with us, with your team, called the Elevate program. And this Elevate program gives you a full clinical, which what you just heard is, is, is very uh, uh, um, watered-down version, but we go deeper clinically about attachments, about uh, ClinCheck, um, you know, having a, a scenario of understanding aligner movements, occlusion with trays, uh, bite, stabilization, and the retention options. All of those are in the Elevate program along with the next day for your entire team that can come and learn about techniques of patients and getting them to say yes and conversation about becoming uh, a, a, an elite provider, if you will. Those of you who have gone through this program can specify your growth, and it's all about knowledge. So I hope you've enjoyed at least a little bit of a um, start to finish from chair-side evaluation, troubleshooting, and staying on track. Um, if you have any additional information that you want to share with me or you need, you can email me at dr.atai.com. I'm always available for my colleagues. And I now pass over to any questions or any um, suggestions of uh, um, to David Moment if there is any text that have come through. Thank you, Dr. Ty. If you could put that uh, CE slide up for us, that would be great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Ty, for a great presentation. Uh, a couple of quick reminders. Please go to the link that's on your screen right now to take your survey and to get your CE certificate. One week from today, this entire program will be archived at the Education tab on your Invisalign Doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Atai for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time on your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much. Thank you.